0: for those who remain, I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 8 and 9 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, just two verses, verses 8 and 9. This is God's Word. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Pray that he would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father,
1: send your Spirit
0: to give us eyes to see what is of true worth, that we may fix our eyes there, that we may pursue those things, both in what we think about and in what we practice.
1: We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do you know that something is worth it?
0: Right? How do you make the calculation? Like when you're a little child on a hot summer's day, standing at the edge of the cold pool, dipping your toe in, trying to decide, is it worth it to jump in here or not? The answer is yes, it's always worth it.
1: Or daylight savings time,
0: like to shift the, the clocks and rhythms around, is it worth completely and utterly disrupting our circadian rhythm for that? You might infer what I think about it, but is it worth it? Or when you're trying to decide between the salad or the triple cheeseburger, like how do you decide is it worth it? Or even about
1: more substantial things.
0: Moving your family to take that job. Pursuing a relationship with that person. Entering into conflict about that issue. Is it worth it? How do you discern is it worth it? The scriptures call the disciples of Jesus, to be a people who devote themselves to the study of excellence. To to be a people who learn more and more what it means to discern what it is that is of surpassing worth. How do we do that? It's one thing for the Scriptures to call us to be a a people who love what is good and excellent and worthy and right. How do we practically be a people who know what's worth it and who live lives that reflect it? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in these two verses what that looks like and what that means. And so we're going to look at at these things this morning and see how it should affect how we think, should affect what we do, and what the overarching reason is for all of that. What we think, what we do, and why. Why? First thing I want us to focus on is what we see here in verse 8, even though I have verse 9 written there. Um, Math used to be a strong suit of mine. But then they made me buy a calculator in engineering school, and now I can't even add two plus two in my head. So don't put too much stock in there. But the right verse is actually printed there. The apostle calls us to think about Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, and worthy of praise. And this is, this is relevant. We live in a world that is constantly asking the question, what is good? Maybe they're not always asking it explicitly, but implicitly. We're always asking, what is good? What should I be about? What's worth it? Should I buy that car? Should I get that burger? What the, are the, all the new fashions worth it? Where should I put my money? What, where should I go to school? What should I be about? The world is, is, is constantly striving to find out. What is good? What should I think of myself? What should I think of other people? What should I be doing But do God's people
1: have an answer for that?
0: Paul here enlisting these words, sometimes he employs all sorts of words to show us the different categories of things. But he's not doing that here. we could spend some time discerning what the difference is between things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, or worthy of praise. That would not be a good use of time. Paul's not giving us here types and categories of what is good. Saying, look out there. The whole world is full
1: of good. Do you see it?
0: Do you have eyes to see the things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, excellent and worthy of praise? We, we tend to be the sort of people who are instead full of cynicism and complaints. Grumbling that things never measure up. We can find a cloud in any silver lining. Always critiquing, always complaining, always grumbling. And Paul here is challenging the Philippians who are under no small amount of oppression and trouble and conflict, to look out and see there is good to behold and pursue.
1: Why is that? God made it that way. God made this world
0: good. And though sin has entered in and brought corruption and misery and rebellion and wickedness, it has not taken away from the goodness of what God has made. But sometimes we're afraid to dive in and look and see. And, sometimes, and Christians can be the worst offenders about this. We, we have no idea what to do with the topic of sex. We hide from it. We create artificial purity cultures, and, and we just we don't even want to deal with it. Run! Flee! Hide! And we don't know what it means to wrestle with something that God has made that is in its right and proper context, good and wondrous. We don't know what to do with food. We overindulge. We hide from it. We, we forget that God put his people in a garden that was full of food. human body is so resilient, a wonder, all of creation, from the the stars in the farthest heavens to to the molecules in a leaf, there's a wonder and a majesty and a goodness to behold, the diversity of, of people in all their shapes and sizes men and women, old and young, boys and girls, so much glory and good to behold those made in the very image of God.
1: Paul says, brothers, sisters,
0: are you the sort of people who find everything wrong with all the things Or constantly grousing and grumbling, tearing down and not building up, destroying, gossiping,
1: crushing? Or are you a people who look out and see the wonder, the world that God has made your God?
0: And it so overwhelms you, you have nothing else to do but to just think and consider these things. Now, I don't, I don't want to to downplay the seriousness of sin and the corruption that is in this world. We do, indeed live in what the theologians of old called an a state of sin and misery. There is war. There is famine. There is disease. There is death. There is crippling and crushing injustice and oppression and abuse. And you don't have to look far to find it. Sin's corruption can make good hard to find. And yet, Echoing what he said in chapter 2 when he said, "Look, if you've had any connection with Christ, any participation of the Spirit, even in the smallest amount, if there has been any touch of the divine in your life, it should transform the way you live. And echoing that, he says, look, if there is any excellence out there for you to behold, if you can look and seek and find it anywhere, it's worth thinking about. It may be hard to see sometimes. It may be hard to find. But it's there. And the reason this is so important is because whatever has your attention shapes you. And it seems... That we live in a world where more and more the things that have our attention are things that shape us for conflict, for selfishness, for indulgence, for viciousness, for harshness, for things that have nothing to do with the goodness of God. We doom scroll on our social media And read more and more articles that just say more and more of the things that we want to see and read and hear. We're not out seeking what is truly good. We let our politics shape us. We let our desires and addictions shape us. But Paul is saying that what has your attention... You'll be formed and conformed to that. So think on the things that are worth thinking on. Do you meditate on Scripture? To consider what it is that, that God says about this world, about himself, about you, about your relationship? You lift up every concern to him in prayer, knowing that he is the God who rules and reigns over all things, and what he made very good, he will not see destroyed, but is working to renew and redeem it, to bring forth a new heavens and a new earth, where every sorrow and every tear is wiped away. Do you attach yourself to communities where the goodness and the glory of God are lifted up
1: and exalted?
0: Do we encourage one another in our fellowship to hold fast to what is good? To not be
1: overcome by evil. What has our attention shapes
0: us? And so Paul directs the Philippians and us. to, To not go about this life. Letting algorithms or others feed us what to think about. But for us to intentionally and actively pursue meditating and thinking on that which is worth meditating and thinking on. What is true and commendable and lovely and excellent. And and what he hints at here in his own example of what he's telling the Philippians and and what he says explicitly elsewhere is that we as God's people, as, as the church, a city on a hill, salt and light in the world, we, in the power of God, have the ability, as the Spirit moves, to direct others' attention toward that which is good too.
1: Is that what we're
0: about? Even when we are talking with the most wicked of sinners... You could think of someone, I don't know, everyone thinks of their own most grievous sin, but a murderer, convicted and imprisoned. Perhaps you have some cause to sit down and speak with them, and maybe you hear in them a longing to be out
1: back in the world, a regret. you can you can say that that that's a good
0: what is it that god would reveal to them through you as you find a place where you can affirm their desire we were made for community we were not made to destroy to kill to tear down the regret that we feel when we do those things It ought to move us in a different direction. What might you share with this person when you find a place where you can connect with them, where you can affirm with them that this is good? No matter how wicked you are, no matter how destructive you've been, there is this this spark of conscience. Perhaps you can direct them then to the Lord who is all good all true, and all excellent. We have the ability to direct others to something that would shape them better. And it's not just in our witness out there in the world. We do this every day in all of the relationships around us. Husbands and wives, your words to your spouse have the power to to shape Them, Because when you speak, you direct their attention to something. Do you direct them to that which is good, honorable, and just, and pure about themselves, about the world, about their Lord? Or do you tear down and grumble and criticize and destroy? Parents
1: and children the same
0: coworkers friends and neighbors what has our attention shapes us but we are also connected to one another and we have the ability for good or for ill to direct others attention to what might shape them is the gospel that we believe the good news that we believe so compelling to us that when we speak about it, its excellence and its glory to others, that it directs their attention to that good and amazing God.
1: Think about these things. But if we just think about them,
0: Well, you know which road, they say, is paved with good intentions.
1: Words and thoughts alone
0: are nothing if they are not lived. And so the apostle says, practice these things too. But sometimes we think about the Christian life in terms of a test. If I know these things... Then I've got to pass the test in what I do. And and the Christian life is much less like the SAT. And much more like a tree that grows and bears fruit. And so Paul, in encouraging the Philippians to put these things into practice, calls on them to consider the, the whole process in which they learned these things. What they what they learned in their own study from Paul and from the word of God, what they received as they understood and believed more and more, what they heard from him in the days and weeks and months of his time with them, what they saw in him day to day. He says, practice those things. It didn't happen overnight then. It's not going to happen overnight now. But think about and put these things into practice more and more and more so that you bear fruit in your whole person that is good fruits. Because no matter what we say or think about ourselves, the fruit that we bear, it reveals what really shapes us. It reveals what really has our attention. just as a vine connected to the branch can't bear any fruit other than what that, that what a branch connected to the vine can't bear any fruit other than what that vine is you're not going to find apples on a blackberry vine i hope not
1: the fruit that we bear reveals what really
0: has our attention And there is in the church today this tendency to separate those things, to to lift up those who get the gospel right, who say all the right things, even though their lives don't reflect it at all. They speak with harshness. They oppress. They are selfish and self-serving. But because they get the gospel right, we give them a pass. It should not be. There should not be this disconnect between what we think and say and what we live and do. So how do we address that disconnect? That disconnect that exists in all of us. Between head and heart. Between what we think and how we live. This is what Paul's telling us. It doesn't happen by osmosis, it doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't happen overnight. But connected to one another, to a community that loves what is good, that loves what is from God, we can, in humility, help one another grow rightly. What is the light that is shining in this community? among these people. The plants are going to grow towards the light. What is it? Is it our politics? Is it our economics? Is it our morality? What is the light towards which we as a community of believers are growing?
1: What Paul says here at the
0: end tells us that we ought to be a place where the God of peace is with us. This is not the power of positive thinking or some sort of moralistic legalism. He's not saying, if you just think the right things, God will bless you. If you just do the right things, God will bless you. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying, in essence, is this. The study of excellence, the ability to discern what is truly of worth, the pursuit of what is good is ultimately the study and discerning and pursuit of Christ himself. When Paul says whatever you've Learned or received or heard or seen in me. He's not lifting himself up as perfection. He said in this letter and elsewhere, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What, the example that you've seen in us that reflects who Christ is and what Christ has done. That's the example you should follow. And whatever you have seen in me, if you have seen Christ, pursue that. Practice that. Think on that. Because God, as we think on him, as we pursue him, he is drawing near to us. He is not the God of hostility. He is not the God of punishment. He is not the God of unjust anger. He is the God of peace who reconciles sinners to himself but by the blood of Christ, who draws them near to himself so that he can be their God and they can be his people. And so Paul is saying that when we think on him, that when we live after him, our God, who is the God of peace, he draws near to us and is with
1: us. We ought then to be a people whose light isn't
0: that we get the gospel right. Whose light isn't that we do all the things right. Because Christianity, as important as doctrine is, Christianity is more than mere doctrine. And as important as life-changing practice is. Christianity is more than just what you do. Christianity is ultimately about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to seek and save sinners, to draw them near to himself, and to shape and mold them in his likeness and in his image. Christianity is ultimately about a person. He is our peace. He is our light. He is our good. And to think about him and to practice what he calls us to do and to be is to make ourselves apprentices to Jesus. That we might be shaped in his likeness
1: and in his image. Is Jesus in his person of surpassing worth to you? Have you grown bored with him? Have you become dismayed at the the path he's calling you to walk? Are you too distracted to be still and know who he is? The world needs to see the goodness of Christ. And what is so glorious
0: is that Jesus is shaping us in his likeness and image that we might bear witness to him in this world, to his goodness, to his excellence, to his purity, to his justice,
1: to his peace.
0: And the God who calls us to be peacemakers gives us his peace. The God who calls us to be ambassadors is our mediator between God and his people. The God who calls us to declare the good news is himself pouring out his goodness on us. That we might be a people who are able to discern what is of true and surpassing worth. Because we know Jesus. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would reveal to us afresh and anew your glorious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. That we might find in him encouragement
1: and strength.
0: To turn from whatever this world offers, whatever distractions our flesh offers, whatever lies Satan offers, to turn from those things back to Jesus. To bask in and behold his goodness, his worthiness, and to respond in praise that transforms not just what we think, Not just what we say, but all that we are and all that we do. We ask that you would do this for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.